You're listening to the greatest multifamily investment advice show. My name is Adam Ross, and now I'm talking everything multifamily for an in-depth conversation, and I will be diving deep into raising capital, deals, and underwriting process. Welcome back to the greatest multifamily advice show. Today we have Terry and Neil, real estate investor, mortgage brokers from Chicago, and focusing on scaling their portfolio, helping investors to uh, get hard money. So before we start, uh, I would like to focus on your beginnings on uh, the lending side and also your multifamily career. So what was the uh, initial steps on your career? My initial steps in my career, oh my gosh, it started very small, (laughs) very small. And, you know, I tell people this all the time, you know, you don't have to jump into something major, you know, before you start buying multi-unit buildings. I mean, here in Chicago, they're very expensive. I mean, you can imagine. So I started small buying, um, you know, properties under $100,000 and fixing those. I wasn't a flipper. I kept things and, you know, for a period of time until they, you know, got some money under their belts, you should say. And as we, as we did that, and I apologize, should have turned that off. Um, no worries. It rings off the hook. Yeah, we got to take that off the hook. So anyway, um, you know, I invested in smaller properties until uh, I had a goal. And I know this sounds crazy that I was 25 years old hmm. and I had a goal of having a vacation rental. Um, I wanted to have a, not a bed and breakfast. I'll make a martini, but I won't make you breakfast. Okay. And I, I just don't do that. But I wanted to have, you know, I wanted to have a, a place that you know, in Chicago, that was, a, you know, a, a, whether it was a, a, a bed and breakfast style, you know, an in style, whatever that it was. Mm. And so I worked towards that, you know, and it seems that we talked to a lot of people who just want to just jump right into everything. And I'm going, this is a process, you know, I mean, of course, if you've got all the money in the world, I mean, go for it. But, you know, for me, it was a building process. And and so we did a lot of multi, you know, a lot of smaller properties and then got a multi-unit building. And then we bought another multi-unit building. And we bought another multi-unit building and I turned them into um, guest houses here in Chicago. Mm-hmm. So it was Chicago guest house. We ran the business for 19 years. Wow. So 19 years. And, and I so the same you, idea of Airbnb something. Uh, yeah. But I came in before yeah. Airbnb. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> Through those guys. That's right. This was 2004. <laughs> actually, Brian Chesky came here one time, and she actually, he's the chairman, and see what he turned into, and, and she asked him to leave. I see, yeah. <laughs> It'll never work. You know, and and what people don't understand is because they come in this late, that Airbnb was, was air bed and breakfast. It mm-hmm. was people coming and sleeping on your couch, you know, putting a mm-hmm. bunch of people in, the, in one building that didn't know one another. Mm-hmm. And I said, no nobody's going to do that. Like, what am I just like setting myself up for a lawsuit? Are you kidding me? Like, who's going to do that? But it wasn't until about 2015, 16, that they brought in another member to Airbnb who started doing uh, rentals, like what I had, you know, that they were fully furnished apartments. So, you know, I started in 2004, they rolled in around 15 and around 18, they started doing properties like mine. So, you know, what do you say? Can't beat them, join them. I mean, I had no choice. I had no choice, hmm. uh, but I love multi-unit buildings. I've never been an investor in uh, single family homes, especially in Chicago. 
Uh, you're talking about a six, $7,000 a month note. I don't want to see that go vacant. Hmm. I don't want to take that over. But if I've got three units in a building and one of them goes vacant, that's okay. Two of them go vacant. That's okay. But I didn't want to carry a whole building like that. Makes so sense. I've always, yeah, I've always been a multi-unit fan and um, I highly recommend it. <laughs> I was like, I highly recommend it. So what and about the other part, uh, the lending side? When we you started, guys, to open this, uh, uh, to, to be a private lenders and focus on 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 the money side of the things, besides we, being an investor, we phased out of Chicago Guest House again, nineteen years. So we phased out of that, and it was the natural transition to go into lending. We love the real estate industry, um, so it just made sense. And, and it made the right sense. We've been doing really well and we love what we do every day. So, you know, investing, you know, we, we, um, we now belong to the, the, the National right. Association yeah. of Private Lenders, yeah, that's right. which is pretty yeah. exciting. And one of the things that they talked about that they, they just decided that they don't want to use the word hard money anymore. <laughs> and- How's that? I said, I don't know how long it's going to take for that to go away. But they want to call it private lending. And everybody signed off on, yeah. you know, every member of the, of the National Private Lenders Association signed off on that. And one of the reasons that they felt it was for governing reasons that they were, you know, it was kind of the baby with the bathwater. You know, they were throwing hard money lenders in the pool with payday lenders and um, fast cash, you know, that type oh, of yeah. thing. Yeah. And, and which, you know, if you go through the United States, not every city allows for that. You'll see cities that have them on every corner, and then you see cities that don't have them at all. We don't want to get deregulated. I didn't. And know so, part of me, I didn't know that they changed the name in, in U.S. I, I used to I used to hear uh, hard money terms. Here in Canada, we like to use private money, but uh, I didn't know that they prohibited this like naming convention. Well, you know, they're they're just trying to change the mentality. Yeah, and okay. so, as I said, with the National Association of Private Lenders. On March 22nd, they signed, everybody signed a petition to stop using hard money in our advertising, in our marketing. And which I agree because, you know, again, it kind of has that, you know, what does it say? We we try to tell people that we, you know, our lenders are right next door to the bank. They're not in the back alley behind the bank. 100%. Yeah. So this is not mob money. This is just the real deal. And our lenders get their money from banks. And yeah. they get them from credit unions and they get them from, you know, hedge funds and they get Wall it from Street. Wall Street money. Yeah. So you may not get that loan from Bank of America, but Bank of America is funding. This kind you know, of. It's part yeah. of the portfolio. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, we're not exorbitant fees. You know, we're a little bit over, you know, institutional lending, um, a heck of a lot easier. And, you know, one of the things that I want people to understand when they're buying property is that when you go to an institutional you know, a bank, they don't really care about the property. They care about you. Hmm. They want to know you have a good job. You've got, you know, three years running, you've got your tax returns, your pay stubs. They want to know, they want your firstborn. They want your left kidney. They want to know everything about you because they don't care if you never rent that place ever a day in your life. They know that you financially can carry that note with us. We don't care about you (laughs) at all. We don't care if you have a job. Well, we we'll do. start. Yeah, we don't care if you have a job. We don't care if you've worked for the last three years. We don't care. We care that you are liquid, that you have money to invest. Mm. And we care that that property can stand on its own. 
So if it can't stand on its own, which means that the rent is not going to cover that, mor that mortgage note, we're not going to do the loan. And, you know, you have to think about it in terms of being, you know, if you were going to put your shoes or your feet in the shoes of a lender, would you lend somebody money on a property that the rent didn't carry it? So all of your loan is concourse, I think. It's a concourse loan to be sure that you that the property is going to hold itself. And if it didn't, you're going to go after the guy assets or the personal yeah. assets, correct? Yeah, they're, they're, they're all recourse they're loans. All recourse, we, recourse we I'm sorry. Non, yeah. yeah, we don't have a non-recourse product. And, and sometimes we get that question, and it's just my opinion. And that is, whenever I get involved in an opportunity, like our company, you know, we started off and it was tough, real tough. We had several months, we didn't make a dime, and now business is very good. Hmm. And we have a great product. But my point is, I wouldn't get involved in something if I wasn't willing to stand behind it personally. Yeah. And that is, you know, make my own personal pledge. So we don't have a non-recourse product. I know we've had that question before, and that's kind of my answer. And that is, if you believe in it, then what's the difference on the recourse? Yeah, if you anyway? stand behind it. You know, if you're not willing to stand behind your own project, why would we stand behind it? Yeah. So, it, I mean, that all makes sense. You know, I think that um, there's a big uh, push towards short-term rentals hmm. and you know, I want everybody to understand that when we do short-term rentals, they use market rent. So if the market mm. rent does not cover that note, we're not going to, I thought, so sorry. I thought he turned that off and I apologize no that um, if market rent uh, doesn't cover the note, um, neither will we. You know, you're going to get lower amount of, uh, of money from the lender. He's not going to give you as high a loan. So when you go in, you've got, you know, the credit, you've got, you know, you could do an 80% loan, but you don't have the market, you don't have the rent to cover it. We're going to lower the leverage. You're going to get 70, 65%, you know, 60%. Yeah. And yeah. people don't understand that. They just, they go, you know, but hey, you know, I've got experience. I've got this, I've got that. It doesn't matter. Remember, mm -hmm. our lenders care about the stability of the property. And so even though, uh, for instance, you know, we're running Chicago guest house and it's, you know, drawing $60,000 a year on a, you know, on one of the apartments, that's not market rent. Hmm. You know, that's not market rent. It a month. No, we're talking about one of the apartments. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, I just one of the apartments in, yeah. in one of the mm. apartments in the building. Yeah. So yeah, I was going to say 60,000, 70,000 a month when it's all of the apartments in the building. But, you know, I can't go in telling a bank and giving them 300, you know, uh, uh, rental statements, showing them, because if the city of Chicago decided that they were going to regulate the industry, which, by the way, they did, mm -hmm. um, I just happened to be grandfathered because I was one of the very first licenses issued in the city of Chicago. But today, the people who are buying those units or people who purchase them from, from us, uh, they can't do what I did. Hmm. They, they can't rent the entire building. So, you know, there's regulations, there's things that change, and some people get grandfathered, some people don't. Sometimes they eliminate that altogether. So what you guys need to do is understand that business. And, you know, I always tell people the first three phone calls that I made were to my attorney to my accountant and to the city of Chicago mm. before I ever started that business because I wanted to make sure, you know, that what I started was going to be viable. Yeah. And 
Um, and people don't, you know, they so often don't do that. They're buying into complexes, they're buying into with homeowners associations, and they're not looking into those bylaws. You need to look at that stuff before you make a purchasing decision on anything. So don't want to put the squash on that. But yeah. always think market rent, always think debt service coverage ratio, that rent needs to exceed the, the, uh, the mortgage payments. And, you know, it's a good rule of thumb because, you know, then you're making money. We don't want to see anybody paying people out of their active income for other people to use their property. That's that right. No there other people live there. So, but we people most... do it, but I, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, 100%. Uh, so I think we... For us, I'm just talking and talking. What would you yeah. like to know? What else? No, uh, I, I was trying to uh, basically to jump to the lending side of it, especially that I know that you guys work with with a lot of Canadians cross-border to invest in U.S. So what my first question was about uh, the foreign national program and what kind of uh, products available to Canadian investors on U.S. to uh, invest on the multifamily side, especially on the uh, buy and hold uh, product. And what was the main restrictions for Canadian for, from the lending perspective? Well, those are all very good questions. And, and I have to say that we're really good with Canadians. It's a big part of our business. And we've had lenders that have opened up their lending to Canadians just because of the volume we do yes, with Canadians. So, right. so we appreciate that. And on the multifamily side, whether it's multifamily or single family, as I understand it, if I were to come to Canada to buy as a U.S. with good credit, U.S. citizen good credit, we'd be 65% leverage. And, and that is on a long-term product. Now, we do have some 70% products, but when you folks out there are running your numbers, we advise in-house, you should have 40% of the purchase price. Which so is 60%. So LTV, yeah, 60%. 60%. Well, that, that'll include the fees because we might even get you a 60, we'll, we'll probably get you a 65 as a minimum, might get you 70 with the right debt service, hmm. but still you'd want to have other monies just for your escrows. Because if you paid cash for something, you'd have to pay the property taxes on the US side, typically from November up to now. And then if you're using a lender, they're going to escrow your insurance and taxes as well. So we always add that other 5% in there. And that's not 5% in fees, like escrow is not a fee. It's really, it's really a savings account that just goes to protect the lender in case you renege on the loan so he has money to pay the taxes. So to answer your question on the long-term side, 65% leverage, we might get you 70. We think 40% is a good rule of thumb mm -hmm. is what you should have. Terry mentioned income doesn't matter. No real restriction there. And that is we care about what you've done there more than what you've done here. I was just talking to another Canadian borrower earlier today, and we most certainly have the man, so to say, or the woman, not to be biased, but people that, that, that were born in Canada, that work in the U.S., that make significant U.S. income, that have a U.S. credit score, mm. and those people don't get any greater leverage than somebody that's just, it really matters where you were born your country of origin, if you're a foreign investor or foreign national, mm. it's still at that 65%. Yeah. So even that person doesn't get 65 or even over 70. And so we, yeah, we, did you have any success before in over than 65 for foreign nationals? Yeah, yeah well, we, we can, the highest we've ever gotten for a foreign national or foreign investor is 70%. So wow. it's typically 65, we might get you 70. I'd rather you use 40% as your rule of thumb to be safe. 
and it'd be like icing on the cake if we get to that 70 as opposed to a 65. Okay. And again, you know, one of the reasons that we say that is that, you know, there's about 3% that we'd like to consider for closing fees, title mm -hmm. fees, legal fees, things that have nothing to do with us at all, have nothing to do with the lender. Yeah. It has to do with your title company. It has to do with the, um, again, if it's a, if it's a state where you need an attorney to close, mm -hmm. uh, you guys need attorneys to close, you know, what you pay your attorney, uh, government fees, yeah. um, all of those things that have nothing to do with us. And so we always say about 3%. And then the other 2% is just what Neil said for escrow. You know, typically you're going to have one year of taxes and insurance and in escrow, because think about it. If you were going to default, if something happened, gives them a year to pay the taxes and insurance to sell the place, yeah. you know, to take back ownership. So you're going to do that. You're going to have, uh, you know, depending on whether it's already rented or whether it's not rented, it might take escrow for rental payments. And that could be up to nine months. Yeah. You know, it could be up to nine months, uh, especially on refinances. You know, we say you absolutely have to have a rental, um, a lease in place when you do a refinance on a, pro on a, on a, on a property. I think also the vacancy rate is, is the same for the lending here in Canada and U.S., which is basically the NOI is going to be based on the, the uh, non-vacant units. So if you have vacant units, it's not going to take in, in consideration for the NOI, correct? Uh, when you say when we have a bank, they're not going to take into consideration for the... For the NOI, the net operation income. Uh, when oh. we're doing the underwriting, if it's non-vacant, then um, you're going to take only the non-vacant units. But uh, the vacant unit is not going to take on consideration. Do you, did you have any success before to get uh, financing on some of the lenders where the vacant unit is taken in consideration? Well, that's what we can do it. You're going to get you're going to get a little ding on your interest rate, and you're probably going to put about nine months of, of payments of, of, of principal and interest taxes insurance okay. in escrow just, just, to order, just, to, just to protect them. Well, so we would most certainly get it done. If you don't have a lease in place, we have a product for you. It just comes with the cost. Oh, 100%. Again, and those are on refinances. That's not on a purchase. On a purchase, you don't have to have a lease in place just okay. for refinances. Uh, we're, we're talking again about the multifamily, the same products for the multi and the single family homes? Oh, okay. Yes. That's right. Okay. That's right. So well, uh, again, I'm yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Take that. No, no, go ahead. Uh, you might take a little ding on the leverage being a multifamily because what we've noticed and we funded our fair share of multifamily. And the reason we've done that is because first of all, I, I was surprised Terry didn't mention, we charge a flat rate, no upfront fees. When you close a loan with us, we charge you $2,500. Hmm. So there's a multifamily show. So you folks have significant properties. I'm sure you're purchasing. Yeah. If you're buying something significant, we'll never get beat on fees. Now I should say- Usually 1%. Uh, just well, yes. Yeah, so usually they charge you some percent or some points in that. Brokers, brokers are typically charging a percent of the of the yeah. purchase yeah. price. Yeah. We charge twenty five hundred um, flat rate. Again, at closing, uh, I'm not going to tell you that we don't have lenders who do pay us on the back end. They absolutely do. We have lenders who don't pay us a darn thing, and we have others that do. And you may see that you know on the HUD, or you may not see that on the HUD. But our fee, regardless, is always going to be twenty five hundred. Uh, we don't That's charge points. Really yeah, really we don't competitive. Yeah. Yeah, it is. True. It's very competitive, yeah. you know, especially when we get brokers and it's like, I'll take $40,000 on that deal. I'm like, no. And it just never closes. Usually. It never it's closes. Get, get a less expensive. So we, we thought, because we did the same work, and by the way, I wouldn't be doing our job. I know it's a multifamily um, show, but we have no minimum in a lot of states. So mm. nothing for you to and think which, about. By the way, you can get multifamily buildings for fix and flip for under $100,000 in some states. 
Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. And by the way, that's the small separate. ones. Yeah. Yeah. On, on the on the flip side, you know, we have a flip product for multifamily also, where we could fund most of your purchase price and all of your rehab, so long it fits in that seventy percent of the ARV box. Mm. And we're so, talking about residential, so it's going to be four units or less. When you get into five or more units, we still have a product for that commercial multi-unit buildings. We can do that as well. So if you're buying something needs a little work, we can help you fund that also. And then we have some no seasoning products, real important. So if you end up paying cash for a place and it appraises for higher than what you paid, we could take you out. We take a little ding on the uh, on the leverage at 60%, just outright cash out the mm. day after closing, but at the higher value. So, you know, mm. a lot of times you're paying, you know, a million dollars that something might come in and, you know, I'm picking some high figure, by the way, it could be a $10,000 that comes yeah. in at 50, but you could still use the 50 the day after closing or the, you know, one and a half million or whatever it is. So, so there's some really good products. We work with Canadians. We're really good at getting those closed. And by the way, the other question we get from Canada specifically is, do I have to come here for the closing? Most certainly not. We have a national title company that's really good with you folks. You can stay right at home. A lot of time we coordinate, coordinate with your lawyer back home, which as you know, there is the notary. So we're really good with that stuff too. Other questions? Uh, my next question is, I think is for a big multifamily uh, with there's no boots in the ground as a as an investor in US with single family home. Uh, what is the lender usually looking for for approval? Is it experience having like a, a partner, like property management, uh, contractors? Just for the purchase of the of the property? I'm sorry? Just, just for, for the, the purchase? The yeah, purchase. for the purchase, yeah. I'm talking about, again, with no put on the ground. What is the guarantee far from the 40%? Uh, 40%. Remember, we don't, remember, we don't care. Oh, okay. We, 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 kind of we just it. don't care. We don't care what you know, kind of income care, you make. All we care is that when the lender wants to see the money to put down on it, it's okay. sitting in an American bank account. That's all that we need to know. Okay. And so we always say, make sure that you open up an American bank account because you're going to transfer the money over there. They want to see liquidity. They want to see liquidity. So if you're looking for something where you need $400,000 down, you need to show $400,000 sitting in that bank account. So this and is basically my question, with, which is proof of fund. When is actually, what is the timeline usually when you have a deal, you want to show the, the proof of fund, especially for the Canadian part? Uh, most of the lenders say that they want something within six, you know, 60 to 90 days. They want Before to see closing. that money in there. Hmm. Exactly. And so whether it's a, you know, a, a money market account, wherever you're going to transfer the money from, you know, they want to see those, those statements. They want it. They want to see, and we want to see that too. I mean, I can't tell you how many times people come to us and they say, you know, I've got a, a one and a half million dollar property and I've got $10,000 in my bank account. <laughs> like, what are you going to do with that? <laughs> like, what's, how? how uh, I think I, I think the question will be not this. The question is, if it's an actual uh, GPLP structure, and this is my, one of my questions is what you, uh, the actual lender expectation when uh, the actual uh, uh, buyer is an actual entity, like a, in an actual legal structure like GPLP, when the actual fund is going to be uh, as part of shares, where the actual uh, passive investor will uh, show their fund or provide their fund six or eight weeks before the closing. So what is the lender requirement in this case? Because you're saying 60, uh, 60 to 90 days before closing. So this is one of the questions when you have an actual, uh, I'm not going to say complicated structure, but not an actual uh, direct seller or buyer, I'm sorry. 
when there is an actual complicated case when you have a GPLP structure and uh, the fund is not going to be ready? What is the lender usually guideline for this part? You know, I, again, they're going to want to see that money in there. You know, it really, first off, it depends on who the lender is. They all oh, have okay. different criteria. And remember, because this is an unregulated industry, they can make up their own rules. If they want to see it there for 60, 90 days or some other site, I just, you know, we're fine the day before closing. It really just depends on who we're using. Okay. So, okay. you know, just as long as you know that you have the money. I mean, when we send you a term sheet, the term sheet's going to show exactly what you're going to need you know, to close the loan. And then we said add 5% to that for, you know, again, for all the third-party closing costs and the escrows. So you should know right up front if you will be able to show the lender that you have that money. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, my next no, question. Also, yeah, before, uh, before we go, go ahead. Go ahead. No, the GPLP. So, so you got a GP brings together, you're going to put together multifamily, maybe just one asset that he's going to purchase. We'd like to think that that GP has experience in assets also. So even though with his left hand, he has his own bank account, he's most certainly not going to do that at closing. He's going to use some other assets. That's more than fundable because, you know, somebody that's putting together a GPLP type structure has experience. They probably, you know, not their first venture. So I don't think the liquidity be is much of a, of a factor. But to answer your question, we just really need to see a screenshot of where that money is coming from, hmm. you know, because we're pretty trusting. We've only had one person in the last couple of years who like... I'm not closing. I don't have the moment. What do you waste everybody's time for? Most mm -hmm. people, you know, I was saying for a while, like a man's word is his bomb, but you know, why would you want to go through all the trouble of sending all your documents and having to pay for an appraisal and, and, and go through the title process and, and not have the money. That's just a waste of everybody's time. So it never happens. Okay. A good question. Okay. So my you next question. Okay. <laughs> go ahead. No, it was about no, the fees to be honest, but uh, go ahead. Well, I was going to, I was going to kind of segue to another place, you know, I'm putting together a training program right now that I want to release in the next couple of weeks. I'm working on it very hard. And one of the big hangups with multifamily units, and it's in big cities, you know, especially is understanding zoning. Zoning is super important. Um, it seems that, you know, when you're getting into a lot of these multifamily buildings, they have done things to these buildings that are not zoned correctly. Mm. So, I always have, I would say what, probably 50% of them. I mean, a lot, a lot. And when you're looking at multifamily homes um, and you're looking at pictures, because a lot of you guys are looking at pictures online and I'm gonna give you an example of, uh, you know, a, a woman who brought, she was a Canadian who, who brought us a piece of property for a fix and flip. And it was a two unit, it was two single family homes shared roof, shared wall, duplex. Looked like a, you know, looked like a duplex from the outside. Yeah. And, and everything else in the neighborhood was multifamily, two unit multifamily, identical looking buildings, identical looking buildings. Mm. But I said to her, hey, listen, these are two single family homes under one roof with a shared wall. We cannot finance them, even though the gentleman who is selling them to you is selling them to you as one package, it doesn't matter. They're two separate single family homes. Hmm. And so looking at that, and we how long did we was she yelling at me? Oh, she was yelling at me. She's like, they're everywhere, they're all over the neighborhood. Everybody has these properties. I don't care that everybody has these properties. Hmm. Yours is two single family homes under one roof with a shared hmm. wall. 
everything else are multifamily duplexes. They're everywhere. Did you have any before instance when an actual building was 20 units was like zoned for different number of units or something? I don't think so. Well, you know, there's, it's usually not, it's not the 20 unit building. It's the two, three and four unit buildings oh, Okay. that it should be two and somebody made it four. It should be yeah. two and somebody made it three, okay. you know, it should be three and now it's four. It, it, those are the things. And, and I always say this and we'll send you the training program and you're going to love it. Hmm. And I said, you have to be leery every time somebody says, mother-in-law suite, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. office with separate entrance, you know, um, bonus room. Those are big no-nos. And, and so when you're looking at these properties, you know, do your due diligence. If it looks weird, you know, it seems odd, you know, unless it says three family, you know, or two family or five family, you know, whatever mm-hmm. that it is, um, you know, make sure that that's what it is. And you can just go into the the county records. You could go into the township records. Hmm. And we just had that happen last week. You know, somebody had a building. It had three kitchens in it. And I said, it's a single family home. But they divided it into three. And they were selling it as three. Yeah. So that's a no-no. You don't want to do that. You cannot change zoning while you are uh, under contract with a um, with a lender. lender. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, exactly. You once, you get, once you get that. So story. people will say, well, I'll just change this. No, you can't do that. Yeah. You can't do that. So that is a big deal with multifamily buildings is understanding. It rarely happens when it's five or more units, you know, 20 units. It doesn't happen. It's when it's two, three, four units. It happens 100%. all the time. 100%. Yeah. So regarding the fee structure on, I think, guys, you you focus more on the, the new term, which is the private money uh, and institutions uh, like MEC. And, uh, and um, this is your uh, uh, main focus uh, on this part, because um, I think the fee is uh, a famous subject here, which is the broker fee and lender fee. What is the regular uh, lender fee? Uh, when you're dealing with multifamily and is there any difference between uh, negative um, less than five units and plus five units when you're dealing with the lender fee and the broker fee you mentioned that the broker fee always twenty five hundred dollar correct yeah we're always twenty five hundred again terry gave the standard disclosure that we have lenders that will pay us above and beyond that has nothing to do with you yeah however we have lenders, which is a very good question. We have lenders that have no points. No fees. So there's no fee. Now, there is a fee for underwriting. Yeah. Typically, on a multifamily, it might be $29.95, as an example, one that comes to mind. And those appraisals are more expensive. You might pay yeah. a couple $3,000 for the appraisals. Those, those are the third, Stan- the standard appraisals third, third party. party fee. Yeah. So, but on fees, we don't, we, we try to, when we get, and we get a fair number of offers every day, some for multifamily. And the first thing the team does here is they decide which lender has the least expensive with the best rate for that borrower is the first thing we're going to do. So we're going to first try to show you in writing, this is what your loan looks like with no lender points. And we may give you some verbalization in the body of the email that says, you know, for uh, three or four points, you can buy the rates down, which would add to the lender fee but that gets you a better rate, but we try to get you no lender points as much as we can. Very okay. good question. So, yeah, we, we, we have a handful of lenders that we do for long-term. These are long-term, not flips. So long-term, you know, 20, 30 year loans that we absolutely are going after the lowest rate for the least amount of fees. And then we always give you the option to have a lesser, you know, rate. And, you know, again, when we do that, 
one of the questions on all of our applications is how long do you plan on keeping that piece of property? If you're planning on keeping it for 30 years, points make sense. If you're planning on keeping it for, you know, five years, it doesn't make sense. Hmm. You know, it doesn't make sense. Just pay the higher rate because you're never going to pay down those fees. You're never hmm. going to recoup your costs. Yeah. And we sure. put that, you know, again, when I see how long somebody's going to keep the loan, that's part of our offer. I think one of uh, my next question would be uh, if there is an actual project uh, can make sense for lowering the debt service ratio, especially if there's a product with 35 or 40 years. Because the usual on, 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 on commercial, we go with uh, 25 or 30 years with fixed rate. But I was trying to ask if for Canadians cross borders, if there's any product uh, beyond the 30 years term for amortization. You know, I would tell you that we had a 40 year hmm. with a lender who just sucks. So we don't work with them. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It was, it was so bad. We, we thought, you know, we have each one of our lenders is, uh, I mean, everybody does the same thing. So, you know, why have five different lenders who do exactly the same thing? You know, we, we have lenders that we, we choose, number one, because they pick up the phone. First and foremost, and just so you all know out there, we pick up the phone seven days a week until uh till we go to bed exactly I mean, pretty, pretty much, pretty much. now, now there comes a point every night where she stops answering yeah. <laughs> okay ready for that okay. we don't have that okay. on the side you know, i start giving soon away i'm That's sorry right. it's She's just like, you know i'm like right. sure i'll do that <laughs> and you know so you know we we our lenders will pick up the phone on saturday they'll pick up the phone on sunday we can talk to them and that is super important to us um then in terms of you know I was going to say it all depends. All, we always say it just depends. You know? now, now, these are direct lenders. You know, Terry mentioned earlier, and we've been saying a lot lately that we work with folks that are right next door to the bank, not in the back alley behind the bank. So we don't have any Vinnie in Brooklyn. We typically suggest 30 days for the close and 20 days for funding so you can get your appraisal and title work in. And this way, after 20 days, that funding or mortgagee clause gives you the opportunity to walk away, still get your money back. Not, you know, nothing ventured, nothing gained. So, uh, or nothing lost in this case. So, but, but we can tell you where to go for that 40 year interest. No, I mean, we tell you where to go. You can go yeah, direct. Not direct. We won't work with them, but you can go, you can go direct. So, but, but, but I will also say on those direct lenders that we work with, that we can design it pretty much however you want. So, if 40 years of requisite, we don't get that request ever. I mean, you're the first person that we did have a 40 year, like it's a 40 year IO. Mm -hmm. The first 10 were uh, interest only. And then after that, it turns into a 30 year fully amortized IO interest only. Mm -hmm. And uh, and it was a bad lender. So anybody. That did, and by did, the way, we love We absolutely love our rep there. We've worked with him since we started this business. He moved to this company and they could not. What well, is it? Couldn't find himself out of paper bag. I mean, it was terrible. Well, he called the and, other day. He called the other day. He says he's closing his, his December loan. He's not closing It's already May. Loan. Come on. And I said, this is, it's awful. Like, you know, we, we can't work with people like that. And so we love, we absolutely love our rep there. We just, we just cannot work under those circumstances. And what does Neil always say? They couldn't, they couldn't tie their shoes on their loafers. You know, sure. couldn't, couldn't tie their shoes on the loafers. We couldn't get anybody on the phone. It took us, what, 70 days to close? Yeah, 70, 75 days wait just to track from our products. So anything you track from our product, we get lenders that call all the time or send us emails. I mean, we had a 10.30 call today that never came through. And we're just as happy just because we'll listen to you. But we don't need another lender. So we have really good lenders. And I will tell you that if you were to venture out there on, on Adam's show and 
and go to other brokers that are out there. The brokers you'll see, we're all about the same. You know, I, I don't know what other places do in terms of their rates, but you know, we're fixed rate. But but what we do different is we're really good at getting your loan closed. So if you have problems with your lender, we'd like to save you there too. We do a lot of those saves too. We have one earlier today that you know we'll probably be able to close mid this month that we just picked up today with somebody had an appraisal from another company. The other lender fell apart for whatever reason. Just give us a shot. If you read our reviews, you'll see a lot of that. We yeah. we we fix the impossible, which is makes us feel good. You know, we do a good job. So what kind of market you're focusing on, guys? Like it's national wide, like for deals. Because this is another nationwide. There's nowhere we can't help you with funding, pretty much. But okay. I will say, especially on a cross border, anything that looks really glamorous, like we've had some requests for, like Hawaii, as an example, Stay beautiful away. state, very expensive homes, terrible rent roll. Which back to the DSCR, it's just not going to support itself. But you know, we work with folks, and that is especially we work with folks that are in Canada that want to be able to go to their property. So you folks, especially the new ones that are on the uh, podcast today. I would encourage you to kind of like that old compass we had when we were a kid, keep making a circle from your house, you know, an hour, two hours, whatever that is. And if it puts you in Detroit, by the way, for the longest time, Detroit wasn't so great. But the fact when I say so great from a lender standpoint, we have great with a capital, great lenders for Detroit, for Michigan. Ohio is a good Canadian market, so to say, where we're getting a lot of interest. And uh, but you want to, you know, you want to pick cities when you're doing multifamily homes. You want to pick cities that, you know, a, for instance, like a Chicago, you know, like a, a, you know, where the cost of the homes are so high that most people can't afford them. So they rent, you know, very high rental market. Like Toronto for you folks. Yeah, very high rental market. Yeah. And, and that's where you make your mistake is going into these markets where, you know, people can afford to buy their own homes uh, because they're, you know, medium 150, 175,000. Yeah, yeah. We yeah. don't want to do that. You want to go, you want to go invest someplace where you, you, the price of housing is, is high. You're going to get your best rental role. You'll get your best. I mean, it's, that's where you invest. So Chicago, unfortunately is a terrible place to, to, to uh, get a loan. Nobody likes us at all. And I guess we're not very lender friendly when it comes, but, but to, when it comes say, to evictions and things like that. We're not very lender friendly. So, I, I don't think it's a rental. Is this rent, rent control in Chicago or not? There is yeah. rent control, but what we have in place is that if it's below 40 degrees, you can't you can't evict somebody. So it could take you a year to evict somebody, you know, and, and so we have a problem with people, you know, moving in and, you know, mm-hmm. September and then stop paying their rent. Um, that's why a lot of the northern cities they don't like, you know, there's a lot of them that are like that. I think but, the, the move is more to Alabama, Tennessee. Atlanta, Dallas. Great funding area for us. And and by the way, some of those out of the way places, we have some, I don't want to use the word rural, but we've been able to, I mean, we funded some place like. It's not going to get a multifamily home rural deal. Multifamily? No, we had that one. We had a hotel. Oh, a hotel. It was was a hotel hotel or some kind of resort or something. But, you know, nobody else was doing it. I was going to say that's not multifamily. That was commercial motel. So, yes, pick cities and you can go in and just look online and say, this is the city I'm going to pick. What is the the population of renters to homeowners? And you want to pick high rental. So let, let's jump to your uh, investment uh, career. We were focusing yeah. on the lending side. So how many uh, assets under management, uh, management so far? Myself? 
Yeah. Yeah. Or your okay. husband too. Sold, I, no, I have, <laughs> I have sold everything as of January. I have oh, okay. no longer property. All gone. It's okay. all gone. So and the focus is more on lending? Well, you know, we, we want to take it to the next level. We like to start funding our own deals in-house. Oh, okay. okay. So, yeah. I mean, what are you going to do with the money, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So for the people who want to uh, follow uh, your success, especially on the lending side, where does they can find you? Where can they find us? Yeah. Listen, I will tell you one thing. If you just put in Terry and lending, this will probably come up. But we have a great presence. If you just Google our company, NSS, never so simple. Never so simple. Never so simple, NSS. And it's for we a reason. Miss we is... take up the first two pages, I think. Exactly. Okay. A, lot of, a lot of trust pilot and Google reviews just telling you that. I think if you just put in Terry and Neil lending, we'll come up. Probably great. so. We have a great presence. We're real yeah. proud of them. We're, and we appreciate the opportunity to speak to anybody and everybody today, especially on your show. And if Anybody has any questions, they can call us, like Terry said, seven days a week. That's another reason we've been so successful is our accessibility. Perfect. Perfect. Thanks us a lot for coming to the show and hope Thank we can you. bring you again to the show so we can focus more on uh, exact products, especially on the multifamily side. Okay, perfect. Thanks, Adam.